Are you ready to get onto the global stage? Well, if you've been following what I've been doing, you know that I've got the Global Movement Summit just around the corner, which is all about taking your purpose to the global stage. But for now, here's what we can learn from the entertainment industry to just lean into it. This is Lana Ski, hostess of the Supernova podcast, and this is your weekly invitation to greatness. Welcome to the Supernova Podcast. It's so great to have you on this call. Thank you, Luna. I'm so excited to be here to speak with your audience. And it's so great to connect with somebody from the entertainment industry, my old stomping grounds as well. I've I missed that space so much. Well, maybe we can draw you back in. Oh, maybe, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> and we were just chatting offline. What's coming up on Thursday? And what we're just saying is there's so much to learn from certain industries and certain spaces. And this whole idea of creativity that it's an interesting thing you're saying is we get labeled a creative and then we get stuck in this mindset of impoverished and we're going to not be able to make it at the end of the day. And meanwhile, creativity is just a tool. Being an actor, being a director, a producer, um, you know, even rolling up the equipment, being a sound coach, all these different things, those are ways that can be expressed of creativity and those are just channels to be in. So I think there needs to be quite a big mind shift around who we are roles we play, uh-huh. the way we take our script, and what yes. it is that we're actually putting out there in the world. Oh, I, I agree with you completely. The idea that, you know, creative people and creative professionals are separate or live in a different segment or a different world from people who are, say, in business or finance or different types of industries is, is just, it's foolish. Um, you know, you everything requires a degree of creativity. We're very savvy consumers in the world today because we've been so bombarded from birth on, you know, up forward um, with, you know, with all kinds of imagery and pitches and, you know, people trying to manipulate us at, at different levels to pay attention to their goods or their services. And, you know, just from that point of view, the, the freshness, the authenticity that comes from taking a professional creative's uh, point of view, embracing their ideas and their approach, even if it doesn't feel quite right, um, you know, is, is very important. It's key. It's crucial. It's highly valued. Um, I think for a lot of non-creative people who are in non-creative professions, they rely on formula and they rely on the fact that, well, I just have to, you know, I, I need to stay in the box. I just need to make a prettier more attractive or glossier box. And, you know, creatives will say, I, I don't even know what a box is. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm building something completely different. And why wouldn't you want to embrace that? Why wouldn't you want that input and that point of view? Um, you know, nothing will open your eyes more to the possibilities than watching a really wonderful film or a phenomenal stage performance or performance artist or going to the museum and looking at work. And for creative people, 
um, creative professionals, you know, we need to, we need our own guides to help us, um, to help us keep getting our, our work out there and refining and developing our work and understanding what we have to do to connect with audiences, you know, where we then have to cross over into say more, um, you know, more sort of, I hate to say business, uh, you know, types of understanding, but it is, and we call it the industry in, in the acting and performing arts world. You know, you have to understand the industry. And I really think that's a lot about delivery methods and understanding what you can do with video, what you can do online or with film or with live performance, new ways of, of, of finding places and audiences for those performances and how to talk to the people who um, handle the, the financial decisions and the marketing decisions. And it's, it's important for artists to know when you, as an artist, when you embrace that and you get an understanding about that, it does further develop your creativity. So exciting and it's so thrilling to hear that. And that's one of the things that I miss about the entertainment industry, the creative industry, because it's the mindset of being in creation. It's the mindset of being in creativity and in flow and in creation that allows you to really do that. And I think there's such a gift that we can learn from the entertainment industry, from the creatives out there. And learn how to apply that to the way that we show up on that global stage or how we really rock out our businesses. Yes, absolutely. And I, I agree with you completely, Lena. It's that, it's that embracing of passion rather than the cooling of off of it or the manipulation of it to try to accomplish something. There's you know, we, sometimes we think of passionate people as being, you know, sort of scattered and all over the place and unpredictable and you can't harness them. But passion can be quite focused. And sometimes when you're talking about a new way of doing something or a way of embracing creativity, sometimes you, people think, oh, that's, it's, it's very big. But sometimes it can be laser light and very small and it can be in the, in narrowing your field of focus. And, and then sort of blowing up something that's almost microscopic. And that you know, it sounds sort of arcane when you start thinking about it that way, but it, an easy way to, to explain to it is, um, you know, when I'm doing something as simple as, as taking photos um, of my acting clients, doing their, their professional photos, the X-Men of the headshot, um, you know, you take a much larger photo than what you actually end up blowing up. Um, and it's just the folks, it's just the function of the lenses that you use and, and the way you light things. Because when you get that photo loaded up on your computer, you begin to crop it down. You begin to look for, um, you know, how much negative space you're going to leave. Um, you know, where you're going to bring the, the, the edges in of this picture. And that kind of completely changes the intensity of the expression of the person that you're photographing. It, it, it can completely um, shift your focus from the fact, uh, you know, from that you're looking at maybe you're, what you're noticing is the color of their shirt to all of a sudden having focus be on the expression in their eyes and their mouth and their face. And a creative person can look at a, at a big, you know, a large, uh, untouched photo and say, okay, here's, here's where the passion is. Here's where the intensity is. We're going to bring in these edges. We're going to crop it down like this. We're going to leave this much negative space to the right or to the left. 
And that's going to change the focus completely and give a completely different energy. And sometimes when I'm working with my clients, I like to show them the raw photos rather than the finished photos and say, now just watch what I'm doing here. And they'll kind of go, wow. And, you know, like, I can't believe that. That went from looking at the photo that I would never have selected to use as my headshot to one that I feel incredibly confident using is actually energizing me to get out there. And it, it, again, it's only a creative person is going to have that eye. If you're, if you're just using a technical person and they're going to say, well, you know, you always want to have, you know, the shoulders at each edges and this kind of thing, you end up with a yeah, they look they look like something that should be on your driver's license or your passport photo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's yeah, it's it's just you know, it's just one of those instantly understandable um, you know, examples for, for people to think about. Um, you know, I, I sometimes when I'm doing voiceovers, I do a lot of voiceover, I do a lot of them for big corporations and, and companies that are, you know, sending out their they're trying to get their products out to the world. Um Sometimes I'll say, you know, could I just, could I just take a little bit of, of a longer pause before I, you know, complete this line, or can I just take my my vocal volume down a bit on on this part of the line rather than punching it? Um, just listen to that once, and it's amazing how often, um, you know, the engineers will just be like, oh well, you know, I think you should just do it the way they stated, but when the marketing people are there or the, the actual company. Um, have someone there that go, oh wow, that changes everything. Yeah, keep it. And you won't get that when you're keeping people in a box and your metrics for, um, for gauging success leave out creativity and authenticity and personal expression. Mm, that's pretty powerful. And the other thing that I love about that space not that I'm any good at it. I tried acting classes. I was utterly atrocious. And I'm going to leave it to the people who really deserve to be on that stage and deserve that limelight. It is not my zone of genius. But the great thing in really being in that space, to really be present, to really meet that moment, however it is, to respond, is the gift in authenticity. Yes, a lot of people think that they can create authenticity just by, you know, by being quieter, <laughs> you know, or by, by using someone who's a little, you know, my, I, what I notice in that is that we have a lot of wispiness, um, a lot of, you know, sort of wispy children in little pinafores or, you know, kind of wispy lovers having a kiss. Um, and, and, you know, that begins to ring as false so quickly. Um, it's, you know, you say, why does some, why do we want to go see even the bad films of certain actors? You know, it's because we love that actor. They've connected with us. And we'll, you know, we usually give them a lot of latitude to go see them in a bunch of crummy films before we say, okay, I can't waste any more time and money on this. Um, but that, you know, it's, it's real authenticity. Um, and the more you become aware of it, um, the more you start to spot how much is false. Again, it's just not something that you can that you can quantify. It's something that you have to develop an eye and an ear for, and that's where you know create creative professionals are completely you know invaluable to other areas of, of you know business and other professions and why people who you know anyone who needs to get up and talk to an audience needs to understand it. 
and needs to embrace it. It's it's so much more than just putting together a well-crafted speech or a well-crafted TED talk, you know, thing. I love it. I love it because this is really where you get to integrate the business part of it. This is where you really get to practice what you preach and become castable, become notable, become noticeable, get in front of the right audiences, get that gig, get that next client, whatever that is. It's an art, it's a craft, and it comes from the mindset of being castable, not being stereocast or stereotyped, but really being in your genius. It is. Yes, it absolutely is. And, you know, in my, in my book, which is called Your Casting Types, what I really talk about is, in, from an acting point of view, you know, you get people who, who say, well, I'm, I'm pretty and I'm in my twenties and I've got long, you know, long fabulous hair, so I must be a romantic comedy type. And so often that's just not true. You know, some people are edgy. Some people are, I'm a bit just snotty. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they have, Edges. And when you try to fit yourself into a box just based on, on your age or, you know, your overall appearance, it, it doesn't work. And the fact is, it's so much easier to adjust something like your personal style without, without losing, without subjugating it. Um, you know, or sometimes it's just removing some things that you always felt attached to that you, that you, you know, you need to let go of. Um, to stay in the picture analogy, uh, I was working with a woman um, a number of years ago, extremely talented, extremely beautiful woman, and she was quite tiny. Um, she was petite and very thin and trim, and she had beautifully close-cropped hair, just stunning. Um, she always wore earrings. It was her fashion statement, and she felt very attached to all this large collection of earrings that she had. Um, and I would always say to her, you know, you should not wear your earrings when you go into, when you do your photographs, you shouldn't wear your earrings when you go into on-camera auditions because if that's what you end up noticing, um, you notice the dangling earrings, you pick up on the jewelry, they're, they're just, they're hanging there, you know, how can you not notice them? And we want people to notice you. And she really fought me on that. She was tooth and nail. Um, because she felt that, you know, those style cues were so important as to projecting who she was authentically. And I tell you, you, know, you will be your authentic self, whether you're dressed and have accessories on or not. And when you start depending on your accessories and your clothing to project who you are, then you're not projecting who you authentically are. And you know, she finally took them off. And it, I mean, it's like, sure, I'm not telling you that you can't wear, you know, your fabulous jewelry. Um, I'm just telling you that it, you know, it needs to. It needs to not be there in your headshots. It needs to not go with you to auditions and to meetings with people because I don't want them spending even two seconds looking at your accessories. I want them to be completely focused on you. But I think the thing that we just need to get clear on is the idea that this isn't an invitation to go towards blandness. This isn't going from peppy and bubbly and all personality-driven into being pretty much a palatable runway model. It's really going to, you know, knowing that you don't need to depend on anything else but who you are and and that you have to stand by 
but your uniqueness, which is what I call your castable type. Um, it's not type casting. It's about bringing out the essential elements of the energy that you project, the energy that you put out to the world, developing it, refining it, polishing it when it needs polishing, leaving it raw when it needs to be left raw, and then standing by it, by it, putting it out there every single time, knowing that it will bring me the right creative opportunities um, that people won't be calling you in to audition for things that you really aren't right, so you're not wasting your emotional, financial, and creative capital um, doing things like that. You know, you'd rather go to 10 auditions in a year and book five of them, or even book three of them, than to go to 100 auditions in a year and book three of them. It's a great expense of, of creative, financial, and emotional capital. And it, it carries through into other areas. You know, you, you don't want to spend, you don't, you don't want to go out before you're doing, say, an important appearance or a, giving a, a, a speech or a lecture um, or meeting with people that matter to you and think that, you know, you're two weeks before this important event, you're spending it shopping and getting your hair, you know, getting your roots touched up and getting your color done and, and rethinking the way you look. What you should be doing is really thinking about the energy that you're projecting. Yes, of course, you should. You should look presentable and do your roots. Um, so, <laughs> you know, but that's not where the energy comes from. It's, that's just Yes. And, you know, and then people who are really in touch with their energy tend to create a wonderful physical appearance, a wonderful physical manifestation of that. Sometimes they need a little help. You know, again, they need a little refinement. Um, and there's always issues of, you know, what's appropriate for different situations and taste levels. But, again, it, it, it all begins inside of you. And people will be happy to see you getting up in front of them in a tracksuit if you really have something to say authentically and with truth. And that goes, that's as important for actors in auditions or creative professionals in performance as it is for, you know, experts who are going on television or on other media sources to, you know, to, to share their knowledge. Um, you know, authenticity is the key. And there's this really blurry line between acting, putting on an act, putting on the front, highlighting your next bits, and totally being authentic. So how does one discover their own castable type in all of that? Well, I think for that, you do need professional, you do need some professional guidance. Um, I'm surprised how often I have actors or people who want to be experts come, come to me and say, you know, I think this is who I am, or I think this is the way people react to me. And it's something, you know, quite different. Um, not necessarily, you know, in terms of, you know, I think I'm, I'm comic and they, they get up and, get you know, those. Get those. Yeah. But it's, you know, they think, oh, well, I think people laugh at me because I, you know, I do this or it, it's really like, you know, you, Again, you fall into that bubble. One of the things that I advise people to do in my book is to stop asking friends and family for their input. And in general, stop sort of going around and asking the whole world for input. Um, because your family and friends have a very different um, impression and, and understanding of who you are than anybody that you meet outside of that circle. You know, your, your, your mom may know you better than anyone in the world. But anyone in the world, anyone else in the world who meets you is going to meet what you present to them at that moment in that situation. And for performers, you know, I would say it, we tend to have a little bit of a blind spot because 
we don't always see ourselves in the mirror. We don't know exactly what we sound like. I, like I was saying, I do voiceovers all the time. I've walked into stores where they've had the radio on or had television on, heard my voice coming over the radio for a commercial or doing the narration for a, a television show and thought, who is that? Like, you know, and not even really having, having to sort of stand there for a few minutes and go, why do I know everything that's going to be said next? Why is this so familiar to me? Oh, that's me. Oh, that's right. I did that six months ago and now it's finally on. And I'm, I'm so surprised, you know, I don't, we don't, we just don't always recognize ourselves. So it's important to find that coach, to find that expert who can help you and, and help you just, you know, if this is what you want to present, if this is the genre or the milieu that you want to work in, this is what's reading. Um, it's not similar from, you know, if you made a soup and you put that soup down in front of someone, you know, in front of a, a food critic and they said, well, I'm just getting overwhelmed by the taste of garlic, you know? And you might say, but I have 75 other ingredients in that soup, but all they can taste is the garlic. Um, and some, so you need some finesse, you need guidance. And, you know, you need someone to say, this is very strong, this, you feel it, but you're not getting out there, you know, and, and helping people clear those paths to getting their, again, getting their authenticity, their energy, their message their creativity out there to the audience. So it, I, I'd like to tell people that there's, you know, a formula for doing that. And in my book, I explain how I work with actors, how I do an evaluation of them um, when they first come to see me so that I can get a handle on their castable types. But there isn't necessarily one specific formula. For me, working with creative people, I give them, I try not to have too much chat before we stop, just enough so that they feel you know, relax and comfortable and understand what we're going to do next. And then I give them what's known in the industry as uh, a lot of cold readings, a lot of audition material. Um, I try to tailor it to the genres that I think that they're interested in or that they tell me they're interested in and then what I think, um, or actually sometimes what I know, that they'll do well in. Sometimes people come in and they think they're going to be doing, you know, they're going to be doing Broadway theater and I have to let them know that, you know, you're really your, your your path to the industry is going to be through commercials. Um, doesn't mean that you'll never do Broadway, but you know we should put our focus where you're going to get your foot in the door, um, at least to start. And I'll have them do a lot of different things. I won't give them any feedback, although sometimes I'll give them what's known as adjustments. They might read, um, read a little part of a, of a monologue, and I'll ask them to stop and just say, could you now do this, you know, as though... You know, as though uh, you're really heartbroken, or you know, with with some some sort of minor adjustment, just to see what their fluidity is, to see if they're locked in, or if they have the ability to you know to make those adjustments. And when it's all when I've gone through about six or eight, or sometimes even nine or ten different pieces of material, I'll have them sit down and I'll tell them, you know, these are the impressions that I had of you from the point of view of the casting director or from somebody who is writing that film or directing that movie or, or play. And this is what I would think if you were coming in and doing a general audition for me, what I, what I want you for this type of role. And if that's really incongruous with the way that they think about themselves, then, you know, we, we have to open that up. I have to show them, you know, I have to put them on, on video. I have to let them see how they, you know, how they really come across. For a lot of people, it's also about letting go of, you know, of expectations that other people have put on them. That, 
people who aren't actively involved in, in doing professional work in that industry are saying to them, um, in terms of acting, you know, there's a lot of wonderful acting teachers and coaches, venerable careers, and really know, um, you know, they know their way around a good performance. But they haven't been out there working in the industry. And that's what one of the differences that I bring to my clients is that I'm not only a working actor, but I'm also a working director and a working writer and an involved producer and, you know, constantly, um, you know, consulting on other projects. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing that point of view from the other side of the casting table. And a lot of people come in and say, oh, well, I had a teacher in high school who told me this. Or my, my family always says that I'm so funny and I can do silly voices. And it's like, well, you can't, <laughs> you know? Would your family think these silly voices make people find offensive today? You know, that's not your fault. Um, you know, but it just means that we're not going to be pursuing that area right now. Um, but you have to lift that mantle of other people's expectations or pronouncements off of you to find your, your authenticity and what it is you really have to offer. That's really powerful. And I think it's a really great point to be made because let's... Yeah. Face it, in our business, in our branding, in our marketing, in our speeches, in the way we're showing up on that global stage, in our sales, in our administration, in our own backyards, we're constantly wearing multitude of hats. We're constantly playing a multitude of roles, whether it's the leading role or the supporting role or the behind the scenes. We're constantly making things happen on so many different dimensions. And this isn't a conversation about multitasking because I think that's a different energy set. But what this really speaks into is knowing that we have that responsibility to ourselves, to our audience, to our message, to our purpose in really orchestrating the best kind of experience. And yes, we're going to have to wear different hats. We're going to have to step into different experiences and we're going to have to play a multitude of different roles, whether we were cast in it or selected in it or we just dive into the deep end of it. So there's this beautiful metaphor that I think the film industry and and what you're just saying about being not only the actress, but, you know, the voiceover artist and the director. There's a beautiful metaphor in that and how it applies to business. So thank you so much for sharing that. And and you just, sometimes you just don't have a handle on the way people perceive you. Um, It's been so colored by being in a bubble of friends and family or, again, by, you know, perceptions of what you can and cannot do. Some, sometimes the most difficult thing that I have to do as an acting coach and a performance coach is tell people to, you know, to sort of let go of, of, you know, the opinions of their girlfriend or their, you know, their dad or, um, you know, an old acting teacher that they had, you know, to just say, I know you want to go back to them, but it's also time for you to learn to stand on your own two feet, um, and to stand in your creativity and your talent because what they think of you is just not what's presented. It's been, you know, it's been colored by years of, you know, personal knowledge and, and you know, personal interaction. And and when we're putting ourselves out to audiences, yes, it's personal, but again, 
the personal comes from the energy. It doesn't come from the fact that you're going to tell them about every detail of your life. Art is not confession. And uh, one of my most important um, mentors and teachers was uh, Anna Strasberg, the, the widow of the late Lee Strasberg, where I studied. And, you know, she would say, if it's just real life, where is the art? And I think in, in a world today of reality television and overexposure of, you know, of celebrity personal life, people think that your personal life can become your art. But what they don't understand is how carefully crafted all of that is from the point of view of either PR professionals or, you know, editors and directors and, and that sort of thing. Um, and sometimes the performers or the re- people who are on these reality shows don't even realize how it's being crafted. They're the easiest people to sort of hoodwink in that perspective. But again, if it's just real life, it's not art. You have to, you have to curate and you have to decide what comes through and you have to leave a bit of mystery. Um, one of the, one of the greatest compliments I ever had as an actor and a director I was doing an off-Broadway show, and I was directing it, and I was playing one of the roles. It was an ensemble piece. And my character was, um, there's no other way to describe it. She was just a dip. Um, you know, she, was, she was sort of a knucklehead and a bit of a dingbat, but she was very lovable. And I loved her. I connected with her because she never gave up. And she would get knocked down and, you know, sort of made to be the fool, and she would, you know, be upset and lick her wings. And then she would get back up again and keep trying. And that's the way I approached her as an actor, in that she just wasn't going to give up, even when it hurt, even when she had to sit down with a box of chocolates and eat them. You know, she would say, I need so I can (laughs) get back out there again. And I loved playing her. She was all laughs. Audiences just ate her up. One night we had a reviewer uh, there, and the reviewer um, asked our press agent if he could uh, interview the director. Because he really loved the way it was directed and thought it was very smartly directed and, and very fresh and neat. And um, I went walking out there. I was still in, in costume because it was the end of the show and it hadn't quite changed yet. And he looked at me and he said, oh, you were really funny. I'm waiting for the director. I said, no, I'm the director. And he said, why did you say that you're an idiot? <laughs> well, I, I said, I'm going to take that as a compliment because the character is an idiot. But I'll, I'll debate you on that. She but she gets back up on her feet again, and idiots don't do that. You know, idiots aren't that aren't that diligent and dedicated and don't have that much faith in themselves. But he was so blown away by that. And it's important, you know, a lot of actors would want to go around in, in all their press opportunities and say, I'm playing a fool, but I'm actually a very smart, savvy person. That doesn't need to happen. You just put it out there. This reviewer was so, you know, was just so much more intrigued and um, entertained by the fact that, you know, there was that level of performance going on. And, you know, as I assured him, some of the other characters, the actors in the play, not the characters that they played either, but we all would take it as a huge compliment if you believe that. Um, but, you know, again, it's, real life is not art. So it's, it's, you know, it's the way that we view it, the way that we process it, and the way we put it through the lens of creativity and the formats of creativity that create art. So you just let the cat out of the bag in a really big, gigantic way with, for example, a look at reality shows and all those different kind of things where we, yes, we do put up a front. And it's yeah. amazing that that's still so surprising, isn't it? I mean, 
we do it on a day-to-day basis. We're constantly molding and shape-shifting our reality and the way we present ourselves, the way we dress, the way we go to an interview to showcase a better side of us. And, and the idea that, you know, to, to act, to be a performing artist or to be a creative means stepping into something that you don't understand. You know, well, I don't quite get that, but it must be creative because it looks good. Um, you know, or that just, it, it, that, that's sort of a sign, you know, that nope, that, that might work for someone else, but it doesn't work for you. Um, I always, I always, I attend a lot of film and theater and performance with, I go with a lot of the people that I coach, um, you know, just because we go and we talk about it. And in the beginning, my, especially my acting clients will always turn to me and they'll go, well, was that good or not? And I'll say, well, what did you think of it? You know, and they're so afraid that they don't know whether it's good or not or whether it was creative or not. They'll sort of, you know, tiptoe around it. Well, I, I, I liked the way this looked or I thought that sounded good. You know, and I'll say, well, actually I was just bored, you know, or, or I, I didn't really like it overall, but I like this person's performance. You're like, oh, you did. Okay. I thought the same thing. It's like, so why don't you do that? But, you know, they're afraid. They, they just, they feel that, that art is something that, you know, they can't understand. And, and yes, there's, there are, you know, things where it gets very sophisticated. That you can't understand it, you know. It's it's. Um, I, sometimes I laugh, you know, when people you watch, you know, clips. It's fashion here in New York again. You'll see clips on on television of you know clothing going down the runway, and you'll hear people go, "I don't understand that. Why would anybody want to dress like that?" Or you know, they're actually like, you know, they're wearing plastic something, <laughs> and you say, "You know, I don't get it." It's like you don't have to, you know. It's it's a feeling that you get from watching it puts you off, then that's, those aren't the right clothes for you, you know, regardless of whether or not you fit in them or you could afford them. Um, you know, it's, it's okay. Your, your feelings are okay. But the more that you, the more that you watch, the more that you read, the more that you talk about it, um, the more that you'll get that understanding of, of what truly, truly wonderful performing is, what really great acting performances are, not just who campaign for awards and get them. You know, sometimes they go to the people who deserve them, sometimes they go to the people who work the hardest to secure them. Um, but again, you know, there's, you'll know something great when it strikes you in heart and it, it captures your imagination and your, your intellect. And then you know you're onto something. And I guess that's just the nature of any industry, isn't it? it? It's scary. There's no doubt that it's scary. You know, as I said, I, I work in a lot of different, um, in a lot of different types of projects, and sometimes I'm behind the scenes, and sometimes I'm in front of the camera, and it can be very, uh, you have to have a great deal of of frankly, it's just confidence in yourself, not not in terms of like bravado, but just knowing that you can do it. Because I think, I think when you talk about that shape shifting, the the biggest hurdle is people feeling confident that you can you can be something a little bit different, in you know that you can use different sides of your talents and your creativity. 
Um, I've had, I've had, you know, met with people who said, oh, I love the fact that you're directing this project, but you're also going to perform in it. Can you handle that? I actually think I do some of my best work when I'm directing and performing because I can be a, a little bit of a touchstone for the other performers. I'm very rock solid in what I know. I know exactly what the director wants, you know? <laughs> And I've spent, you know, 20 times, uh, you know, as much, uh, you know, in, you know, 20, you know, multiples of 20, um, in, in terms of the time that I've invested in the role and everything because of my work as a director. And, and so people can follow that and they can meet that, but it's, it's something that you have to, I think, work up to. I knew when I was in college that, uh, and I was, you know, studying acting and studying film and, and theater and performance, that I wanted to be able to do everything, that acting was always my, you know, going to be sort of, you know, my number one role, but I just couldn't help myself from wanting to craft the performance, from wanting to create a complete, you know, a complete picture, um, directing the, the play, directing the film, writing the script, and you just, it, it means a different career trajectory. It means that you're going to spend a little more time um, so, you know, toiling away at, at getting a foot up in all those different areas because it just takes that much longer. You can't just have that laser-like focus. But when you think about it, the investment in terms of, you know, career years is really minimal for what, for the, the amazing opportunities that you'll get out of it. Because when I started to get people calling me instead of me having to chase after opportunities and saying, you know, we really want you to participate in this. We, we're really interested in talking to you about, you know, whether you can write this or perform in it or direct it or do some combination. Um, and the contacts that you make, the respect people get because they know that it means that, again, you're totally putting your gifts into this, into whatever the project is, um, that get such a, such a return on your personal investment. So that shape shifting, it has to, it has to be done again in a way that is always using all your gifts and where you're thinking about whatever the project or the medium is that you're working in as something complete, as, as you're working in the whole, rather than, well, I wasn't so successful in my last acting job. I didn't get a great review. So this time I'm going to hide behind the scenes. I'm just going to write something or I'm going to direct it because I'm, I no longer want to go in front of the camera and, you know, I, I felt that that was too rough for me. I mean, you know, if you want to leave one area that you do to, to focus on another, that's fine. But I also think that with this constantly, constantly evolving method of, you know, getting creative work out there, um, you know, now that people watch webisodes, people, you know, create videos, we, we can watch movies on our cell phones, you know, that kind of stream live performances. Um, there's so many different ways of creating, um, of work, and you have the ability to put your creativity into all the different roles that go into it, um, that you should be a shapeshifter. You should be someone who tries different things, at least for a time, and be aware of, of you know, where you need to bring in other people. You know, I, I would always bring in, um, you know, lighting technicians and sound designers and, and those types of people because that's not something that I, I have um, you know, that I have a real ability to do well, but I, but I can connect with them and it can allow me to put my creativity into that element of what I'm doing 
but I, I'm really, I'm really just connecting with someone else who can bring their expertise and their authenticity and creativity to it. So I, I'm, I'm all for shape shifting. <laughs> so it comes down to reading that script, being able to adjust to the directions that need to be taken. Yeah, it, being it, able it, to yeah, read the environment and see how best you can present yeah. yourself, your passion, your purpose, given the context of what is happening. And maybe it is more emphasis on this. Maybe it's a little less emphasis on that. Maybe it just goes back to that beautiful photography metaphor that you had at the very beginning of the conversation. Where it's what pieces do we accentuate? What do we leave out? What do we bring to the foreground? Because that is really what game we're really playing. It's highlighting and lowlighting. It's putting things into light and leaving some things either in the mystery or in the shadows. Or just kind of saying, mm, I don't want to play with you right now. You're not going to serve me, my business, my highest potential, or my highest purpose. And actually, you don't really play nice with the others right now. So I'm just going to put you in the side, in your little corner, and we're going to show up with this boardroom, this ensemble. And this is how we're going to be able to make the best impact and create the best story or create the most powerful business. And you, you have to also be willing to do the work to understand, you know. Um, it's not uncommon for people to either have theory, you know, have that understanding, the intellectual background, or to have the technical background. And there's a lot of people out there who, you know, have one or the other, but not both. And it can be very difficult to have both because they require that, but, you know, it's, it's something that you develop over time. And you can't be afraid, you know, te technical people um, can't be afraid to embrace theory and to, you know, allow other people's creative juices to throw them a little bit off of their technical, um, you know, their te technical trajectory. And creative people have to say, you know, it doesn't hurt me creatively to understand technology, you know, to, to get a, a handle on it and to understand how I can express my creativity, you know, on my own. At, or at least, or at least communicate how I want it expressed to someone. A lot of it is about communication with other people and learning to be able to work with other creatives, um, which is another important thing. You know, you need to spend a lot of time learning to stand in your own, in your own talent, your own gifts. But then you have to learn to, you know, have enough room left over to to work with other people. And I, I think that this points up the fact that if you're a creative professional, um, it's it's about a lifetime. It's, your career is is for your life. So as I always say to actors that I'm working on, they say, you know, this isn't a crash diet. You're not going to get a handle on this or have the results that you want in six weeks because we worked really hard for six weeks. You know, what we're doing is we're laying, you know, we're laying the groundwork, and depending on on how hard. You, you know, how much energy and focus you put into this, we can get really far. I, you know, I, I'm willing to go all the way with you, but, you know, you have to have very realistic expectations and you have to have real dedication. Um, and it's, it's long term. It's, you know, because it's always changing.
and and you can be you know you can you can spot trends and you can say I don't like these trends and, and you know maybe I have to wait it out a little bit or maybe I have to be the alternative to the trends um, and that's fine too you'll find an audience but again it's all about it's all about that authenticity if you're just you're just being a dissenter for the sake of trying to be an arbitrary or contrary voice um, people don't really go for that you know they they, they kind of go, yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, audiences are going to see right through it. They might not get it straight away. They might be able to be duped and conned to believing into a little bit of it. But sometimes... It's harder to keep the lie in place. Sometimes it's harder to stay in character. And sometimes that character just becomes a little bit too much. And there's this thin little border that you cross that just shows up. And people kind of go, mm-hmm, so that's what you're really about. And that's not really being authentic. So I'm going to go and follow somebody else. Or I'm going to connect with a brand or a purpose that really resonates with me instead. I think you have to start at the core. You have to know what your, you know, and to, and, and to use business terminology, what your unique upsell proposition is. And, and not only know what that is, but know how you arrived at it, why you arrived at it, and then fully embrace it. And, and out of that, you will grow. And if you find that people aren't responding to that, then you also have to be very willing to let go of it. Um, part of finding a way to connect with people is that process of saying, this is working and this isn't. And again, it's one of the reasons I say stay away from the friends and family as your focus groups. Um, because they'll tell you that, no, that's a great idea or, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a moneymaker. But they're not going to tell you that it isn't, and when they tell you that it isn't, sometimes it's colored by, you know, familial issues or friend issues. But stay with, you know, you could you could be wanting to talk to people um, about, you know, to how to create better webinars or how to, you know, how to get a book published. Well, there's you know, there's ten thousand uh, people doing that at the same moment, and at least half of them are going to have a bigger audience already built and you do a bigger mailing list. But you can you can get your audience going if you explain why your method works, why you why you arrived at it. You know, why if you had, you know, forty people say no to your you know, to your idea, but but then someone started to say yes, you know, why that how you got to that point, how you find it. People identify with the journey. Um, you know, it's you want an expert to help you, but you also want to know that they came by that expertise honestly. And so it's it's never a bad thing to say, you know, I was I was trying to get my book published and trying to and, and in the process, you know, I I ran out of cash and I was going to be evicted from my apartment and I was going to, you know, um, I couldn't buy food or pay my electric bill. And I had to really sit down and look at what it was that I was doing to not be able to get a book published. 
And then I began to put the pieces together. And then people would say, wait, you know what? Because I'm in that position too. I can't put any more of my, my financial capital and my emotional capital into this book, but my creative capital is, you know, is, is just busting. I want to get this book published. I want to know how to do it. They'll, they'll come to you. They'll gravitate to you far more when they know that your knowledge is hard won, that it's personal and that it works. And, you know, and you could then in that position say, I may not be able to, you know, tell you how to, you know, how, how to get every type of book published. But if you're in these genres, this will work. Or if you want to have ebooks, this will work. You know, you, you need to really look at what's unique about you. And what's unique about you should also be your journey. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't help much to say, you know, that, well, I, I got in with this company and I learned, you know, I learned how to, I learned the way this company does it and now sharing those secrets. That's, that's more of a gimmick than to say, I, I worked with this company, I saw what they were doing, I tried to build on that, and, you know, and they didn't want it, but I took that, I took my, my fresh take on, on those, on that methodology to other companies as a consultant, and found that they were all increasing their, you know, their productivity, or, or their sales, or their, you know, their media profile by 25 or 30%, and now I want to share that with you. People will people will connect with that, and I think that's I think that's the way in. I think that's the way that people have to do it. Now it can be tricky to sort of curate your journey and decide what's important and what isn't. Because for you, you know, you might think, well, I really got caught up in the fact that I, you know, I I was running out of money, or that I had 55 rejections, and I had said that, you know, if I get 60 rejections, I'm going to drop this project. Um, so I knew that I only had five chances left. You, know, you may think that that's really important, but it's sometimes you need an outside eye to help you, you know, curate your story. And, and, and so, you know, this is what's going to connect. And this is what you need to focus on. Or you're skipping over some important parts. And let's go back and talk about how you got there. I love that. And I mean, I see that a lot happening in the coaching because it's that space, that external place you get to see the bigger story and get that feedback. It really does. It's, it's a lot of times it's just about the perspective and the story that you bring to what it is you're doing. And, you know, you, if you, if you're, again, if you're very authentic and very full and complete and open in sharing that, you'll know immediately whether you're on the right track or whether you need to, you know, maybe stop and say, okay, this isn't going to be what I thought it was going to be. Um, because people, you know, people will either connect with you instantly or you'll find that you just, you know, they're kind of going, yeah, okay, <laughs> thanks so much. And, and that's, that's a great help. Um, you know, it just means that you haven't, you, you haven't evolved to the place where you're going to have your, your, your best success yet and that you want to get back into that evolutionary process. Thank you. And I think it's such a powerful message. And it's something that I'm really trying to bring into the foreground with the Global Movement Summit. Mm -hmm. So these conversations are going to carry on going on a little bit more in depth. But back to this podcast, how can people discover their castable type? Of course, um, your castable type is available in uh, bookstores around the world. 
Um, it's uh, available at in the United States at Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Jaw Books. Um, it, there's so many bookstores that have been overseas that I I can't even count them. But you, uh, but of course, that's a, yeah, it's also available on Amazon.com. And if you go to my website, which is uh, Uh you can find information on um, how to be an expert, uh, how to launch your acting and performing career, and also on the book. And I give um, the names of all the different uh, stores around the world that it's available in right now in the university libraries that it's available in. And if you're in Qatar, it's in the Qatar National Library. Um, don't know how that happened, but it did. <laughs> and um, and I do encourage people to sign up for um, my email list. Um, I'm very uh, I I do minimal emails throughout the year, but when I do when I do an email to my mailing list, it's usually got a lot of interesting information links and things that are coming up. And I always try to do um, I always try to have some offerings for for free or for very low cost in addition to things that um, may be, you know, a little bit more expensive for people who are really ready to get on with their, their performing career or their expert career. Um, so I definitely encourage people to come on back and visit the website, nose around, sign up for the emails, and read the blog, stay in touch. And um, that's probably the best way to stay in touch with me. And I would just say to anybody who's, who has that performing performing arts desire, who has that gift that they want to share, whether they're an actor or a comedian or an artist or an expert, to, you know, to respect it, to embrace it, to give it as much space as it needs to grow, to find someone who can help you grow it, um, to contact you if you need help, whether it's either by Skype or in person, and, and to know that if you really have a unique gift, there's going to be an audience that, that wants to share with you. And there's going to be opportunities that will open up that you can't even conceive of because opportunities are always changing. Um, but they'll only happen when you're really putting yourself out there in the most authentic and most energetic light. Um, and, and so embrace that. Go with it. Don't try to look for formulas that will get you there because formulas won't work. They'll just make you formulaic. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's what I that's the thought that I would want to leave people with. There's there's always an audience out there and you never know how much how much you can affect someone, um, how much you can inspire them or give them hope or help them find um, find something new in what they're doing simply by sharing what you have as a gift. Yay! Well, it's been so great chatting to you. And again, as I said, we'd love to continue this conversation on the Global Movement Summit. That's theglobalmovementsummit.com. Or check out the Supernova podcast for more information. Thank you! Well, I thank you so much for the chat today. And I look forward to seeing more. Give yourself permission. Permission to be amazing, bold, generous, valued, celebrated, inspired, and transformed. Because when you choose to live from courage, 
and be authentically real and you choose to make the moment, meet the moment, step up and step in, being the true illuminary that you really are and honoring the supernova within, that's when you honor the invitation to greatness. For more information, head on over to www.lenaski.com. Be the experience you want to see in the universe and in this moment. I'm Zanaski and I'm also the hostess of the Global Movement Summit. And this is your official invitation to take your purpose to the global stage. Join me and 30 oh so luminary thought leaders, evolutionaries, mentors and change makers who want to support you in being that experience. Head on over to www.theglobalmovementsummit.com and get your free pass to purposing it up.